0: For our Scripture reading this morning, we turn in God's inspired Word to John chapter 19, where we begin reading at verse 38. We read through the 10th verse of chapter 20. John 19, verse 38, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly... For fear of the Jews besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about an hundred pound weight. then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Now the first nine verses of John 20 will be our text this morning. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth a stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid Him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. But then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So far, we read this morning from God's holy word. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the crucified Lord lives. That's the gospel of truth proclaimed for us in John 20, verses 1 through 9, in a unique account. There are no angels present here to announce the thrilling message that Christ has risen from the dead. In fact, the only words spoken here are those of the disturbing report of Mary Magdalene to two of Jesus' disciples They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid Him. But understand, this account is in no way inferior to any of the resurrection accounts recorded in the Scriptures. We have in this passage a most beautiful revelation of the resurrection of our Lord. No words can add to the story. The message is not in something heard, but in something seen. And the messenger is not an angel, but the linen clothes lying on the floor of this sepulcher that had been wrapped around the body of the crucified Lord and now lay empty on the floor of the tomb. The testimony of these linen clothes is this. Jesus Christ has broken the bands of death and risen from the grave. And this testimony is recorded for us as we are told in verse 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. This passage is introduced with the disturbing discovery by Mary Magdalene. From the other Gospel accounts, we learn that Mary was not alone as she went to the tomb early Sunday morning. Other women went with her, including Joanna, a woman who had been healed with Mary and who was the wife of Herod's business manager, as well as Mary, the mother of James, Salome, the mother of John himself, and James, his brother, and other women as well. These women had witnessed the terrible events that had taken place on Friday. They had seen the crucifixion of the Lord whom they loved, and after seeing the body laid in the tomb, they went home to prepare spices and ointments with which to anoint Jesus' body. Being unable to return to the tomb before the onset of the Sabbath day, they rested on the Lord's day in obedience to God's law, knowing that the Lord's day was for worship. But they eagerly awaited the end of the Sabbath day, and very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they hastened to the tomb, eager to anoint the body of their Lord in a final act of love. They really had no business going to the sepulcher. These women were impelled by their love for their Savior, a love which was not destroyed by the crucifixion. They were not unbelievers. For their great love, they went there. But they were committing an act of unbelief as far as the word of the Lord was concerned. He had told them that He would rise again from the dead and would see them again in Galilee. But the Lord works all things according to His sovereign counsel, doesn't He? Isn't that our experience as children of God? Through all our activities, even those which are really characterized by unbelief or weakness of faith, God works out His purpose for our good. And so He did that resurrection morning for these women who went to the sepulcher. Here in His great love for these women, He was directing each one to the wonder of the resurrection gospel, to restore their joy and to build them up in their faith. And upon their arrival at the tomb, they were shocked to see the stone rolled away. Mary Magdalene was only close enough to see that stone rolled away from the sepulcher and she immediately drew a conclusion. What? That Christ had risen from the dead? No, that thought was far from her mind. The body's been stolen! She began running. She must tell the disciples. So coming first to Peter and John, she exclaims, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. We know not where they have laid Him. Now we mustn't think that it was mere circumstance that brought Mary first to Peter and John. God was using Mary to direct Peter and John to the sepulcher that they might see the testimony of the empty linen clothes. And so we consider this morning the testimony of Jesus' empty linen clothes. Because those empty linen clothes bore, one, an infallible testimony, two, a significant testimony, and three, a necessary testimony. Let's consider first of all the infallible testimony given by Jesus Empty linen clothes. Using the mistaken report of Mary Magdalene, God directed Peter and John to the sepulcher. Upon receiving the report, they were greatly alarmed and began running toward the garden of Joseph. John, being the younger of the two, was able to outrun Peter. And he arrived at the tomb first. So we read in verse 5, And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, impetuous Peter, in harmony, true to his nature, didn't even stop. Rushed right into the tomb. Only to be amazed at what he saw, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin which was about his head not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And then John joined Peter inside the tomb together. They stood with their attention focused upon the linen clothes. No angel just the linen clothes that had been wrapped around the body of Jesus. To understand what they saw, we must have some understanding of the method of burial that was used in those days. Late Friday afternoon, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had approached Pontius Pilate and requested and received their request to take the body of Jesus and to prepare it for burial according to the burial customs of that day. They had carefully wrapped the body with long strips of linen cloth beginning at the neck, winding that linen cloth all the way down to the feet, including in the wrapping a mixture of myrrh and aloes, of spices. And notice... The Scripture says nothing about a shroud, a winding sheet, nothing to the shroud of Turin being the burial sheet of Jesus. But according to Scripture, Jesus' body was bound with these strips of linen cloth, lengths of linen strips, and then a large napkin was wrapped or folded around His head. And finally, the body being so wrapped, they laid in the tomb head first. So the feet were closest to the door of the tomb. It's evident that Jesus' linen clothes bore a certain testimony. An infallible testimony at that. And it's important to note three times in the text there's a reference to seeing the linen clothes. These linens seen by the eyes of Peter and John bore an infallible testimony, a tangible and infallible evidence of a particular truth. Although the unbelieving Jews could perhaps deny the testimony of the angels and Jesus' followers that they were perhaps concocting a story or suffering hallucinations, they could not deny the testimony of the linen clothes. Jesus' linen clothes lay in that tomb as an objective and infallible testimony of a wonderful event. The reference to seeing the linen clothes might not even draw our attention here were it not for the fact that in the original Greek language, there is a significant and interesting play on words here the Greek language has several words that in the English are translated to see. But each of those words has a slightly different connotation. John, being guided by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses three different words for seeing in this account. In verse 5, we read that John saw the linen clothes lie. In verses 6 and 7, Peter seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin. And in verse 8 we read that John saw and believed. Now perhaps we can better understand the distinction between those terms by way of illustration. You live close to the mountain. So, imagine looking at the mountain and seeing smoke rising from the mountain, near the top of the mountain. And suddenly, you notice, that is, you see that smoke rising from the top of the mountain. When you observe more carefully, and study the scene, you recognize, you see, you recognize that that smoke is rising not from the top, but from the side of the mountain. Then you take a pair of binoculars and looking through those binoculars, you see, that is, you understand that that smoke is coming from the chimney of a cabin located on the side of the mountain. Each time, you saw, didn't you? But you saw from a different perspective and a deepening understanding. So returning to our text then, we see the difference in those three words. The first word in the text means to see in the sense of to look at, to notice. The second word has the connotation of looking at carefully. That is seeing in the sense of scrutinizing or studying the scene. The third word also means to see. But here, while the eyes are used, the idea is, is that of apprehension, of understanding. So when John first arrived at the sepulcher and looked inside, he noticed the linen clothes lying there on the floor of the tomb. And he didn't see the napkin lying apart from the linens. Remember, the head is farther inside. So he sees the linens lying there. But he wasn't struck by what he saw because those linens were there in the shape of the body of Jesus. He thought, Mary's mistaken. The body's still here. Remember they had soaked those linens with spices, myrrh and aloes? So those linens would harden around the body. They lay on the floor of that sepulcher right in the shape of the body. Peter comes bursting into the tomb. He sees the linen clothes in the shape of the body, but he also sees the linen napkin, the head napkin, Lying apart by itself, folded in the corner of the tomb. The linens are empty. John comes into the tomb. He sees, he apprehends. Christ is risen. From the the dead? John stood by Peter's side, understood the testimony of the empty linens, and believed. He understood that what he saw with his eyes was a significant testimony. Not only an infallible testimony, but a significant testimony. So in the first place, when John entered the tomb and saw in the sense of understanding, he quickly came to two negative conclusions. In the first place, obviously, the report of Mary Magdalene that the body had been stolen was incorrect. Because the linens were not cut. They had not been stripped off the body. They were lying on the floor of the tomb just as they had been wrapped around the body of our Lord. No thieves would have wasted time by removing those linen bands and even if they had, they would have been stripped off and left in disarray on the floor of the sepulcher. But it was impossible that any human hand could have removed those bandages and left them in the way they were on the the floor of that tomb. In the second place, John came to the other conclusion of what had not taken place. It was not possible that any human being could have slipped out of those wrappings and left them in such a form. No human being could have possibly slipped out of them and left them conformed to that bodily shape. The empty linen clothes were graphic in their testimony. There was only one possible explanation the Lord Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. How significant was that testimony? The linens cried out as clearly as did the angels, He is not here, He is risen. How must we conceive of that resurrection of our Savior? There are two possibilities. The first is this, Jesus Himself arose in the tomb, He removed all those bandages, laid them neatly and carefully on the ground, walked out of the opening of the sepulcher because the stone had been rolled away by the angel. And you know, that's a very common interpretation. But that interpretation is ruled out by Scripture itself. That very earthly conception of Jesus' resurrection implies that His resurrection body was no different from ours still earthly, still able to be contained in that closed sepulcher. And why he bothered to cast those linens to the same shape in which they had encompassed his body is beyond explanation. But those linen clothes testify to something far more wonderful the only true conception of the resurrection as based upon this testimony of the empty linen clothes is this. No human had touched those linens, neither that of Jesus nor anyone else. But as the butterfly proceeds from the cocoon or the chick from the egg, leaving behind only a shell, Jesus arose. Only, Jesus didn't have to labor and force His way out of those linens leaving the shell damaged. He simply vacated them. Leaving them undisturbed. Out of the bondage of death, out of the linens, out of the tomb, Jesus arose. Psalm 16, verse 10 was fulfilled. God's Holy One did not see corruption in the grave. His body had been snatched from the power of death by the resurrection. And that body was not essentially different from the body which had been sown in the corruption of the grave. And that truth was evidenced by His many appearances in the 40 days following. His resurrection body bore the nail prints in His hands and feet and the hole in His side where they had thrust the spear into Him. The resurrection of our Lord was a resurrection set apart. He arose in the same body, but His body was a glorified body. He arose therefore as the sure pledge of your resurrection and mine from the grave. But the significance of the testimony of the linen clothes is more than that Jesus arose from the grave in a bodily resurrection. The the empty linen clothes speak volumes. They speak to the nature of Christ's resurrection as unique It was a resurrection entirely different, wholly other from any resurrection that had taken place before. We are given in Scripture several recorded incidents of people being raised from the dead. The most recent incident witnessed by the disciples was the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus had been four days in the grave before Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. But Lazarus had emerged from the grave, you remember, wrapped head to foot. The head napkin still around him. The grave clothes still wrapped around him. Jesus had to say, loose him and let him go. Moreover, Lazarus came forth only to take his place once again in the midst of this earthly life with an earthly body of corruption, inevitably to die once again. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is incomparably more wonderful. Not only is Jesus alive, he is risen with a glorified spiritual body The Son of God, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made Himself of no reputation, came in the likeness of of our sinful flesh. He suffered in that body. He had earthly needs. Jesus hungered. He thirsted. He grew weary. He sorrowed. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And in that body He was crucified. But through the resurrection, all that belonged to that weakness of sinful flesh, the weakness of the human nature, all that was removed. He though He rose essentially in the same body in which He had been crucified, the Lord Jesus arose no longer to live in the earthly sphere. He arose in a spiritual body, not bound by earthly limitations any longer. His body, sown in weakness, was raised in power. His body, sown in corruption, was raised in incorruption. Christ rose again, never to die, sown in a mortal body, raised in immortality. Death has no more dominion over Him. He is the resurrection and the life. Death is completely swallowed up in victory. And how? There's only one way. Jesus Christ opened a new door. A door that had never been there before. The door to heaven. The firstborn of every creature became the first begotten of the dead. And as the firstborn, Christ opened the door to heaven through which all His brothers and sisters would enter. He paved the way for you and for me to enter heaven's glory. The linen clothes seen by Peter and John testify to us that God accepted the sacrifice of His only begotten Son, the Lamb of God. The love of God was revealed in the sending of His Son, and love now raises Him from the dead, and us in Him, He was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Having made payment for our sin, He now had the right to come out of death. Having made payment for our sin, death could no longer hold Him. He had the victory over the devil and his hosts, over the grave, over death and hell. That's something no one else who had ever risen from the dead could ever do. Through the resurrection, Jesus was revealed as the Lord from heaven. And that's the resurrection gospel to us. Do you hear this gospel personally? For we were in the world under the curse of God for our sin. Therefore, on the way to the grave and eternal death in hell, but the love of Jesus conquered them all for us. And the love of God for His only begotten Son and those in Him The love of God rolled away the stone after Jesus arose in order that the disciples and we might see and believe the significant testimony of the wonder of the resurrection gospel. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That was also a necessary testimony Necessary for the disciples, first of all. And the reason is given in verse 9. For as yet, they knew not the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. John's faith was based upon the testimony seen by his eyes. John's recorded account is true. He saw and then believed, not vice versa. More and more, it comes to revelation, comes to light how that the faith of the disciples depended upon and was strengthened by proof. They had to see. Those linen clothes. Because to this day, they had not yet known the Scriptures that it was necessary that Jesus rise again from the dead. No, the disciples did not contrive this story. The disciples did not make up a resurrection to agree with their interpretation of prophecy as the Jews falsely reported. It's impossible. Why? Because the disciples themselves did not even understand the Scriptures so as to be convinced beforehand that Jesus should have risen from the dead. John's faith rested as much on sight as did the weak faith of the so-called Doubting Thomas, of whom John later writes in this chapter. That experiential proof provided here in the tomb containing only the empty linen clothes, that testimony that Peter and John saw with their own eyes was absolutely necessary. Had they believed the Scriptures, it would not have been necessary for them to see the empty linen clothes. Because the Old Testament Scriptures declared that Jesus was to rise again from the dead. That was the word of Psalm 16, verse 10. Concerning which, Peter would preach on Pentecost Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that He should be holden of it. And why was it not possible that death should hold Him? Verse 27, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. That's Psalm 16, verse 10, concerning which Peter preached. Also, Psalm 2, verse 7, testified of that wonderful event as Paul preached according to Acts 13, verses 32 and 33, But those Old Testament Scriptures, the apostles knew, but they simply had not understood. They had not understood, though Jesus Himself had interpreted the typical significance of Jonah when He said in Matthew 12, verse 40, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus had told them repeatedly that He must die, that He would rise again the third day. It was not that they didn't know what He was saying. Had they asked a five-year-old what Jesus meant that five-year-old would have said, he says that wicked men are going to kill him and, and he's going to get up again. The disciples knew that what Jesus meant. And they weren't ignorant of the Scriptures. They didn't understand because they didn't want to understand. We have to remember the the disciples had an earthly conception of Jesus' kingdom. They had a conception in which Christ would be king. And they all would be chief rulers. A kingdom in which the hungry would be fed, the diseased cured, no more crime. Their eyes were fixed on this earth and not on heaven. And because of that, There was no room in their conception of things for the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection was a divine necessity, but the disciples had not yet understood that because they stumbled at the cross. They couldn't figure out the crucifixion. It was an enigma to them. Only in the light of the risen Lord could they see the light of the Scriptures. This testimony of the linen clothes was necessary because it testified of what was key to their understanding of the Scriptures. John's faith rested upon the testimony of those empty linen clothes. They testified of the wonderful fact. Christ the Lord is risen indeed. That John believed. The full meaning of that would come later. The disciples had to be led by the Spirit to see the Old Testament fulfilled in the cross. When Jesus appeared to the disciples in the upper room, verse 22, and breathed on them the Holy Spirit, then they understood the cross. Then they understood the necessity of Jesus dying and rising again the third day. That was a divine necessity. But the essence of the matter had been grasped by John even as he stood in the empty tomb. John believed that Jesus was alive and would fulfill all that He had promised. Through the testimony of the empty linen clothes, John received the assurance that salvation is absolutely certain. Verse 9 is really a confession of John. A confession of God's marvelous grace in giving His children this testimony of the empty linen clothes, the Lord, knowing who we His people are and the weakness of our faith, our lack of understanding of His scriptures, gave us this sign. Presently He appeared to His disciples in the upper room and showed them that the same body in which He died was glorified, victorious over death. And at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they received the full blessedness of understanding the significance of the resurrection. We too must see the testimony of those empty grave clothes. But now the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Our faith doesn't rest upon the sign of those material linen clothes. Our faith rests upon the testimony of Christ in the Gospel. The Word of God Himself. As God used those apostles who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection to record for us the revelation of God in Christ. So He addresses us. Through the Scriptures, we too must see those empty linen clothes. They speak volumes. Those linen bands which spoke to the disciples testify to us that Christ has opened the way to everlasting life. In body and soul, victory over sin and death for all who believe in Him. Through the testimony of the linen clothes revealed in Holy Scripture, we have the assurance that Jesus arose, that salvation is absolutely sure. We are more than conquerors through Him who arose from the dead. The resurrection is God's Amen to Jesus, it is finished. Do you believe the testimony of those empty linen clothes? Amen. Gracious Father, We thank Thee that on this morning in which we may commemorate again the wonder of the resurrection of our Lord, that we have been able to stand before the Gospel of our salvation in Him who died and who has risen from the dead, the victor, not only over our sin, but the victor over death so that we stand before death acknowledging that death's sting has been removed and the victory is ours. That the glory... Awaits us of Him who sits on the throne at Thy right hand, governing all things for our sakes and for the sake of Thy Church. In Jesus' name we thank Thee. Amen.